I am Sam J. Jones, Flash Gordon. Okay. Oh, okay. excuse me. That's okay. It's been a long day. <laughs> the dome always does that to me. Okay. So it's much. good to be seen. It really is. And you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Hello, Rangoon, and welcome to TalkCast 237, which means that we've done this 236 other times. Good Lord. Oh, and it's another systematic invasion of your body and soul and all things science fiction-y. Deep in Area 51 on sub-level 151 from the Intergalactic Pasta Palace and Gamma Ray Glass Cleaning Auto Wiper. If it's a bright blue glow in the Redstone Rocket Can, I'm the man without a name known only as the Dome. We're going to break from our usual format tonight, and I'm going to sing! Ah! All right, no, I'm not. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, if I, I tried to do that once. It was a huge mistake. I apologize for that almost immediately. <laughs> Joining us tonight is what amounts to a full cast and, and more guests than we usually have. So uh, we're just going to go through the list from the Revere Time Vortex, Ars Violent Soundboard Vixen, Countess of Shiny Stuff, Vice Princess of Opinions, our own girl, Genius Kriana. Mm. You're in a grunty mood tonight. Mm. That's all I have to say. Hmm? I think we'll just call you Grinch tonight. Hmm. From the stacks of a personal quiet place in the dank dungeons, only indoor zen and vegetable garden, which doubles as a robot reading room. She's not wearing the cone of shame. It's just a fashion statement for Zombrarian. I want a bagel. Does anyone else want a bagel? Yes, I would, actually. Like, these are me? my immediate thoughts right now. Okay. I need a bagel. Okay. That's awesome. From the four-color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, or Ginger Anjanu. She genuinely loves Michael Nesmith, but we love her anyway. It's the dead redhead. I want a peanut butter sundae. How about that instead, Zombrarian? No, it's really, I want something warm. I don't know why. <laughs> it was 90 freaking degrees today. Why do you need something warm? Yeah. It's just how I feel, Dome. Don't question it. Uh, I won't. I won't. Question. It's okay, honey. You have whatever you want. Let me feel my feelings. <clears throat> well, we had a bunch of writers on the show tonight, and we'll see how that works because I keep seeing them pop on and off the screen. So I'm not sure what's actually happening okay. tonight. From the StoryBundle.com, two authors from the Cosmic Sci-Fi Bundle, Jody Lynn Nye and Peter J. Wax. Uh, in the second half of the show. Both, both of whom just dropped out, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get them back. Them. Uh, um, there's Peter. He's back. There's, Yay, Peter! Call All right. <laughs> and in the second, that, yeah, it happens to the best of us, and then it happens to us. Uh, and in the second half of the show, we'll be talking with Vad Vaslin about his new book, 
the button, which uh, is a creepy piece of work, Vlad. I got to tell you right off the bat. Hey, thank you. <laughs> you creepy son of a bitch. I love it when you talk to a horror writer and you go, that's really creepy, and they go, thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> what else so would have... they say? Yeah, I know. It's kind of. You're welcome? I mean, that just doesn't even I make think sense. We should say that at that point, but, you know, we'll deal with however we're going to deal with it. So, we, we've at the moment lost Jody Lynn? At the moment. Okay. So, we'll keep trying to get Jody Lynn Nye, who's. Uh, What's her name? Jody Lynn Nye. Are you sure? I am absolutely positive. Why? Okay, good. Because that's what I have written down right here. And if I don't have my notes, I'm screwed. Because with names like the guy who plays Q on Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, I think I saw in Boston Sunday night. I'm telling you. Really? Cool. That's awesome. I put on the site because I thought this guy looked so much like him. And I thought, no, it couldn't be. It's just somebody that looks like him. I was even eyeing up there a couple people's Star Trek shirts. And I was eyeing up to see if he was, like, purposely trying to ignore them or something. And then I found out there was a Star Trek convention in town. So you never know. It might so have it been probably was his. It might have been him. So joining us for the first half of the show... Jody Lenai, Peter J. Wax from the Cosmic Sci-Fi Story Bundle. So, Jody Lynn, you're going to be with us. Huh? I'm here. Very happy to be here. <laughs> oh boy. Oh. <laughs> from from the, the wheel well of a 747 is what yeah. it <laughs> So, Jody Lynn, uh, let's start out there. Welcome to the show. Talk to us a little bit about. This book, Crisis on, pronounce the name for me. Duna. Duna. There's no way there, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go with that. Which was okay. you with Anne McCaffrey. Right. It was one of the several books that the two of us wrote together. And it is a follow-on to a book that she wrote by herself, which was called Decision at Duna, which uh, depicted the adventures of a group of humans who settled a planet that was very Earth-like in character, only to discover that a group of cat people called Rubens had already settled or begun to settle it too. Each one thought that the other one was intruding and they had to learn how to live together. Crisis on Duna brings them many years into the future where the little boy Todd, Todd Reeve, who is the main character, has grown up and his best Ruben friend, um, and they are, they are running into other situations. It's a pretty good book. And uh, I'm proud to have it in the story bundle. Well, you you've you co-wrote a number of books with Anne McCaffrey, did you not? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I wrote uh, two Choose Your Own Adventures that were set in on Pern. Um, As part of the Dragon Rider series. That's right, the Dragon Riders of Pern series. Um, two Choose Your Own Adventures set in the Crossroads Game Book uh, program, and then. Uh, I wrote The Dragon Lover's Guide to Pern with uh, Anne's cooperation and 10 Days of Interviews, plus uh, my good friend Todd Cameron Hamilton, who was the wonderful illustrator who did that work. Then she and I co-authored four books together, and I wrote a solo sequel to one of them. So we worked together quite a bit, and uh, I was a, it was an honor and a privilege to work with her. She was a terrific teacher as well as collaborator, partner, friend. 
And uh, I, I think we did very, very good work together. You also, uh, and I'm going to divert just a little bit, also wrote a number sure. of uh, books with Robert Asprin. Yes, I did. The, the Myth Adventures series, which was begun by Bob in 1978. That is a tremendous series. Just, just. I, I read almost all of that right up until the point where he was an alcoholic, and then I was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't oh. even. Oh, please come back. We've, we've, we've oh, that was back. so long ago. I, I, I know, but we've gone back to the old ways of myth when things were funny. I, I think I was very close to the end of the series at the point when I read that, though. Yes, it, w it was. And like, like quite a lot of us, Bob was uh, writing out his own problems in his literature. But the, <laughs> uh, when we began to work together after his initial 12-book contract and trying to get those these days was over, he asked me to work with him because we'd already done a, a different novel together, License Invoked, for banned books. And we started a new series of the Myth Adventures as collaborations. And that began with Myth Alliances. So I've probably never read any of the ones that you actually had a hand in. You see, you wrote eight books together before he passed wow. away. And wow. And two, two of the Dragon series that uh, he had begun. He wrote two books, and then unfortunately we lost him. And... The publisher came to me and said, would you like to continue with this series? Do you think you could? It's doing so well. Please don't let it die. And I had not had anything to do with that, but I picked it up. And the Myth Adventure series, which I would, I love so dearly. I loved it from the time that I first started reading it. And I have continued with uh, two other books. One, one is out, Myth Quoted, and one is still on the publisher's desk waiting to happen, which is called Mythfits. We, uh, we had a lot of fun together, and, and they are, the characters are so good. The setting is such a lot of fun. Bob created such a, I think, an addition to science fiction genre by doing what he did. It was an anodyne, an antidote to the big, heavy... The stoic science fiction, yeah, time. absolutely. Yeah. And Cri so Kriana so got all those books by stealing them out of my bookshelf. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. You borrowed them. No, I didn't. I got them at a secondhand store in Northampton. <laughs> uh, those, those are just an absolutely tremendous series. So, um, oh, I'm so glad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've, when, I, when I started realizing how, how much you had actually done it, I just kind of went, whoa, this is, this is cool. This is going to be fun. Uh, so, Peter, your book yes, in the story bundle, actually, your book in one of the story bundles, the cosmic sci-fi bundle, is called Second Paradigm. Indeed. And talk to us a little bit about this book, because it's, it's one of those, uh, oh, my God, where am I books. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It is. The concept behind Second Paradigm, it's actually the first full novel that I wrote, and it was when I was coming out of the game industry, and it gave me a fresh approach to plotting, uh, you know, coming from games and game design. I, I had this idea that I wanted to kind of overthrow the conventions of traditional plotting and attempt to tell a true nonlinear story. What I ended up with is something that can be read in any order, 
uh, 13 chapters, doesn't matter. I have friends who have, uh, who have rolled dice to choose which chapter they're going to read in what order. Oh, nice. I have people who have <laughs> nice. like, created little random generators for it. Uh, the, the only place that I could find to tell that, that type of nonlinear story, uh, because I am not a great grandmaster, I'm, I'm not even, I mean, Jody is, is I, I still read Jody for her pointers when, when I'm looking at my writing, You're too kind. especially in humor. It's, um, it's the only place that I could find to tell true nonlinear was time travel. So I had this idea, well, what if the inventor of time travel has to go back in time by about 40 years and solve his own murder, figure out why someone was, why someone killed him and why a paradox was created. And it just kind of took off from there. And it is, I like to think it's a mind bender, uh, but I also like to think it's kind of like driving a Mercedes. It's a really smooth ride. Even though the engineering was really, really complex and took about six years to design. <laughs> Good heavens. So you essentially designed the book as a game. I did. Or I used the gaming uh, framework. Uh, yes, I used gaming framework uh, to create a three-dimensional model of the plot to figure out how to tell it. I don't know anybody who's gone at it that way before. Uh, yeah. And I can straight up tell you I'm never going to go at it that way again. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it once. That's the important thing. Pardon? You did it the one time. That's the important thing. Yeah, exactly. I did it the one time. It broke my head. After that, I, I wrote a, a vampire and werewolf spoof so I could make fun of Twilight and just relax with writing. Well, everybody should at least at some point make fun of Twilight. That's that's a correct thing to do. So the, essentially then, this book was your transition from gaming to writing. Yes and no. Uh, my first professional fail as a, as a writer was a short story that I got published in 10th uh, grade in high school. It, it was my... It was my transition from game design to writing novels. Before then, I had only been a short story writer and a storyline writer for games. So what else have you done along the way that gave you this... I mean, because right now, you're working with, uh, with Kevin J. Anderson's uh, Wordfire Press... Indeed, I am the managing editor for his press. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Kevin expects me to stay as busy as him on the press as well as write my own stuff. So I sleep about two or three hours a day. It's a lot of fun. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, but Kevin, uh, I know Kevin spotted me. I don't know why he picked me out of the crowd, but... Uh, he spotted me and he said that I was, I was ready to move up. So he started working with me in the press and giving me training inside the professional side of the industry. Uh, and, and he's been an amazing mentor. We have co-written a couple of projects together. Uh, my kind of test with him was a book that he wrote called Twist, uh, which is based in the media tie-in to a project called The Brilliance Saga. We have a short story that we wrote together coming out in one of the Fiction River anthologies. And uh, he just, I mean, he keeps me busy on every front. And Wordfire, of course, is, it's 
exploding. We're, we're finding more and more amazing books to publish and trying to bring that New York quality to the independent marketplace is a challenge and a fun one. So for our listeners who are unfamiliar with the story bundle process, and if they are, they just have not been paying attention. Or listening to us. Or listening, yeah. You obviously just stumbled upon this podcast. You as a reader have infinite power in buying this bundle. You can pay as little as, I think, $5 for it. Three, actually. Three is your minimum uh, purchase. Or a hundred, you can pay up to a hundred dollars. You could pay anything. You could you could empty your pockets on behalf of this because it's for charity, as well and, as for yeah. these writers. And not only do you get a chance to, as the purchaser, decide how much you want to pay for this, you also get a chance to say of the money that you're going to pay, how much of it do you want the authors to get? How much of it do you want Story Bundle to get? And oh, by the way, do you want 10% of this to go to charity? So Absolutely. What, so what made you guys decide to become part of the Story Bundle process? Jody? Well, he approached me because he had uh, done a few of these before and he had ideas. I, I am in two bundles. This is the first of them. The second one will be uh, contemporary uh, urban fantasy, and I'm, I've got one in that. But what interested me primarily was the fact that it would be nice to get exposure for a book, certainly, but the Clayton Memorial Medical Fund, which this helps to support, is, I think, a necessary and truly wonderful um, fund for uh, support of writers who fall on hard times uh, medically to help them. It, it, be, it was begun by Jay Lake, who was the author of one of the books in this collection, um, Metatropolis. And he, he founded it because Joe Clayton, a, a fantasy writer, a very, very excellent fantasy writer, had become very ill and was finding it hard to pay her bills. And unfortunately, we have just recently lost Jay. So naturally, I wanted to support it. I, I think that it was wonderful of Kevin to, to involve me in that. The nice thing about this is, as you say, you can pay as little as $3 and get six of the books, but if you will go to $12, you get all nine books. The, I'm, I'm one of your stretch goals. The Crisis on Duna by me and Anne McCaffrey, Legion by Brandon Sanderson, and Perfectly Invisible by Michael Stackpole are the extended books. And it's still very little money for a whole lot of e-books and in whatever format you choose. So, Peter, what made you decide yeah. to, uh, to do this? It's actually not a dissimilar story. The first bundle that I was involved with, the Epic Fantasy Bundle, uh, where uh, the book that I wrote with Mark Ryan called Bloodletting, it's part one of the 18-book Epic Fantasy, uh, <laughs> sorry about that, was Bless you. Uh, was was pulled out, and Kevin said, "Do you want this in the bundle?" And he pointed to the Challenger Center, which is actually a huge charity for me. Uh, I absolutely adore the Challenger Center, and I thought it was a fantastic idea okay, to do yes. this. And what ended up happening was we raised a bunch of money for the Challenger Center, and the office actually got a pretty decent check too. 
And it was just one of those where it was like, wow, this is, this is a win on every side. You're getting out there. You're getting the books into readers' hands. You know, people that don't necessarily have a lot of money to buy a ton of books at the store, they can get a bunch of digital copies and have reading material for a couple months. They, they, they get the payoff out of this with a bunch of great stuff. And there's, there's actually each bundle uh, a choice in charities. Uh, so right now, the, the Jay Lake charity is a terrific charity. Uh, it is the headliner on the second bundle that I'm in, also the uh, music bundle. But we also have the Challenger Center in there, and there's different charities. So, you know, if you're a very charity-conscious person, you can go in and even choose which charity you want to support. Which, That's right. On, uh, on this one is also includes Girls Right Now to support uh, female writers and Mighty Haters. So it's it's not just the one. If if you if you for some reason want to support something else, it's possible. Exactly, and I think that's a terrific model and a cooperative model that so, can't be beat. So it's essentially a win for the charities, a win for the to the purchaser, a win for the writers. There's really no bad side to this for for anybody in the process. I would the, say that the exactly. curator has the bad side. Having to get it all organized is a monster. But that's about it. <laughs> I can imagine. This is yeah. this is a carefully curated bunch of books, and it's, I think, a wonderful collection. I'm looking forward to reading through everybody's books myself. I've got to tell you, my biggest problem with the whole story bundle concept is too many damn e-books now. <laughs> and I just <laughs> don't have time to read them all, and I really want to. I mean, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it drives me crazy, but, but it's a good kind of crazy. It's really good talking to you. This is an incredible bundle, and it's one of three that are up on Story Bundle right, right this minute. There's also the Fantasy and Music Bundle and the International Crime Bundle. So we're going to have links to all of them as well as links to your websites. Uh, Jody and, and, and Peter, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're all in different spots right now. Peter, you're at a convention somewhere. And Jody, you're, you're somewhere in Tennessee. God I, help you. <laughs> thank you so much. Somewhere in Tennessee, I'm heading for Liberty Con for this weekend, uh, where I happen to be the literary guest of honor. And thank you so much for letting us be here. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time for us. We appreciate it very much. Have a wonderful, wonderful time at your various conventions, and thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now, Dead Redhead, let's take a couple seconds and talk about Boston Comic Con, which is how far away now? Uh, three weeks, I think. Four weeks. Oh, my gosh. Four weeks, maybe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I thought we'd just uh, get some folks excited about some of the bigger names because those are the ones who people are going to be thinking about. And then over the next few weeks, um, I thought we could talk about some of the more interesting and unique names. Unique names and unique things that are going to be happening there, absolutely. And very different things. Uh, one of the things I'll throw out there that I'll talk about more later is the Cosplay Cruise. Um, and there will be alcohol. So you will not find me near that cruise, actually. Um, <laughs> oh, you learned your lesson at Nauticon, did you? <laughs> oh, my. Yes, mm -hmm. I will not be on that cruise, um, specifically. Um, but we do have some very cool people coming. Again, not go just going to list people, but we do have two Torchwood 
uh, alumni who are going to be coming, including the including Eve Miles, who you know either yet lover or you hate her, one of the two. She's the one that played uh, Gwen, the the space toothed police officer who joins. <laughs> well, it's okay. True. Yeah, well, that that's who, one way to do it. Sure, go ahead. Um, who joined Torchwood and becomes the big love interest there. Uh, and, of course, the ever-popular John Barrowman, who ah. I'm sure males and females and furries alike will all be lining up to meet Mr. Barrowman, um, who I understand may be actually being watched over by our beloved ex. And that would be a fascinating thing to watch if you were a fly on the wall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not saying nothing. Oh, okay. Hi. Okay. Um, I did think it was interesting, though. They have somebody from Arrow, which I know is a favorite for you, Dome. It is, absolutely. You enjoy yeah. watching that show. And Katie Cassidy is going to be there. And I thought it was very interesting. I just found out, actually, like a week or so ago. Katie Cassidy is the daughter of, of uh, David Cassidy. For those of you of a certain age... You will remember David Cassidy from the Partridge family. He was David on the Partridge family with so Shirley Jones. Get happy, goddammit. That's right. Um, <laughs> she's very pretty, and she's going to be down there signing things and taking pictures. So if you're a Torchwood fan or an Arrow fan or even Game of Thrones, Jason M Momoa. Momoa. Which is easy for you to say, and I'm glad exactly. you did that with me. That's right. It's going to be there from Game of Thrones. He's that real big guy <laughs> with tattoos and stuff, apparently. Huge guy. And those are just... Big tattoo guy. That's, big that's tattoo the description. <laughs> so that's on the, on the kind of screen side of things. And just real quick on the other side of the house for the comic books and the artists. Um, one of the most beloved writers and artists in comic books, Stan Sakai is going to be there. And this is going to be one of his first uh, appearances since he's lost his wife and, unfortunately, I believe it was his grandson uh, recently. And Stan has had a very difficult uh, six months, six to nine months, as you can imagine. But he is the creator of Usagi Ajimbo, which... X could probably go on and on for you about that. How amazing! Which is why we're not letting him do it, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> but um, Usagi Ujimbo is an amazing story. It's a samurai story told through anthropomorphic animals, and but it's such Isn't a good it rabbits. There are rabbits, but there are other creatures too. Oh, okay. Yeah, Usagi Ujimbo is a rabbit, but there are Thank other you. creatures too. Just just uh -huh. getting my comic book cred here. It's a rabbit. Sorry. Yes, sorry. he is a rabbit. Usagi Jimbo is a rabbit. Um, but Stan Sakai is a lovely, lovely man. Um, so if you are if you like the series, which, you know, check it out because it really, really is a good series. Uh, come on down. You can get something uh, signed by Stan. I don't know if he's doing drawings, but I understand he does do some at conventions. So that would be great to get your own Stan Sakai right there. So, um... There, I wanted to bring those up for now, and that's just a tidbit. And we'll yeah, give one of the things that I'd like you to verify, if you possibly can, over the next couple of weeks, okay. is I know that uh, last year Sergio Oregonis was scheduled to appear, but did not. And actually, the last time I think he did a Boston show was 
two or three years back. He is scheduled to appear right and, now. And I definitely, scheduled. yeah. But I, I, what I want is is the uh, the verification that he's actually going to be there. So if you can get me that, don't be so ever so to this point as you know things do happen and things do change sometimes right before yes but i will do my best to to double check that that would be awesome my darling thank you so much no problem guys and now let's see if kriana is ready with this back to more interviews but uh there's there's no there's no reason for that just just do that to the news thing I, I just wanted to hear the news thing. So, thank you, Kriana. <laughs> You're welcome. Notice how I get indulged ever so slightly from time to time. Uh, so, joining us in the second half hour is Vlad Vaslin. Vlad, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I think I I, I hope you still mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually scared me off yet, but there's still time. Awesome, yeah. There's still plenty of time. We're good with this. Uh, I was I was introduced to your work by by a mutual friend of ours who said, "Hey, you've got to read this stuff." And then I ended up meeting you at the uh, Rockingham. Uh, what was that? It was a convention, except it wasn't. It was kind of like a comic book, uh, like Manchester Comic Con or something like that. The, yeah, Rockingham. And, uh, yeah, we, we bumped into each other, and uh, hey, you're a hell of a large human being, so it was a large bump. And uh, we talked for a few minutes about your book, and, and you said, have you read it yet? And I'm going, I'm getting to it. And after Rockingham, I sat down, and I gave it three days of just reading it through. This is some weird shit, my friend. This is a hey. really interesting book. Hey, thanks. I'm a... Uh... I'm glad you like it. You know, I was trying to fuse some things that have never been kind of done before, at least some things that I've never come across, um, kind of fusing the modern world of rapid technological development with kind of the paranormal world of unexplained objects. Yeah, I mean, this is not, you know, you're loosely affiliated with the New England Horror Writers Association, and that's I guess right. that's who you were with at the, uh, at the Rockingham show. And, you know, I, I was waiting for the... The ghost come out and slit the throat and, and blood everywhere. That doesn't happen. But there's enough of... Explain the process of the book, The Button, and then I'll tell you what really pissed me off about it. Because there is one thing you did in there that I really didn't like. And we'll get to that. <laughs> Uh-oh. How do you mean explain the process? Which process? <laughs> Well, ex explain what the books... and this, this, this ought to be real fun. Explain what the book's about. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's a story about the Godfrey brothers, and they discover a bizarre object with a button on it in an old burial chamber in upstate New York. Once they press the button, they get in way over their heads with the NSA, and they put the entire city of New York in danger. Next thing you know, they're in the crosshairs of a, a shady investigation going on, and there's charges of terrorism being thrown around against them. So it becomes not only the struggle against the consequences of their own actions, which they kind of know are wrong, it's also the struggle against the man, for lack of a better term. Well, you, you do a lot of things here. 
you you start very innocuously as as many of these quote horror books do with the uh, you know uh, stumbling onto something, and you you involve uh, uh, an Indian burial area that has anomalous objects in it, and the next thing you know, we're someplace else, and you start bringing in new characters. Uh, the, the character of the young lady who's the paranormal investigator, uh, a very interesting character, but wow, all of a sudden, you're reading one story, the next moment you're reading a whole different story, and you slowly bring these two stories together quite nicely. Thank you. Uh, so you, you're actually, at, at one point early on in the novel, reading two separate stories going two separate ways, trying to figure out why the hell this is happening until they slowly come together uh, at a crucial point in, in both stories. Then you, you bring in the NSA, you bring in uh, counterterrorism, you bring in uh, uh, Area 51 to some degree. Uh, how did you... How did this happen? <laughs> I mean, really. 20, you, 20, you 25 long revisions. Seriously. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Uh, it happened because I've always had a real interest in weird stuff, the paranormal, the unexplained. I mean, do you remember that show, Ripley's Believe It or Not? You know, Believe oh, It yes. or Not. It used to scare the hell out of me when I was a kid. Love it. <laughs> Um, but I really wanted to do something different. I want to do my first two books are horror and I kind of wanted to get out of the horror a little bit and do something that was a little bit more science fiction thriller. And like I said, I want to do something that hadn't been done. So I was kind of trying to, to, I was kind of trying to blend the, the world of like, say X-Files and ancient aliens and Indiana Jones all into, you know, the modern world that we live in today with all this government spying technology and constitutional erosion, et cetera, et cetera, and kind of try to put a, uh, inject a dystopian theme into the background. And you succeeded. <laughs> uh, thank you. Well, <laughs> now, the thing that annoyed me, and this is, and we're going to get right to it right now. All right. Is, <laughs> where's the second book? <laughs> that's a good that's a good annoyance. I'm glad that you said that, not something else. That the second pissed, book it pissed me off. I got to the end of it and I went, "No! You didn't just do that." And then I went, "Shit, you did." <laughs> <laughs> it does have a bit of a cliffhanger ending. It totally um, does. The second book, I'm in the research phase of that now and looking in reading everything that has to do with government conspiracies and the paranormal um, and NSA spying and modern technology. And hopefully, if all goes well, that book will be out uh, sometime in 2016. You have to wait, Doug. Yeah, clearly I do. But I, I got to tell you, if somebody's out there and wants to read something that's really unique, this is this is a really 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 interesting book. It's uh, it's fun. It's it's got some decent characters to it. You really hate the brothers because both of them are just pains in the ass, right up until the very end. 
mean, they're just so <laughs> stuck in what they are that it's ridiculous. The characters are 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 actually real characters, and you understand their motivations. The the plot itself, once you reconcile yourself to the structure, which is very different from a normal uh, novel structure, once you reconcile that, the structure itself is its own interesting way of storytelling. Uh, yeah, does it? When did you start writing? Uh, I started writing probably when I was about 13, 14 years old and, uh, kind of messed around with it all through high school and college. And, you know, I was in the, on the school newspaper, literary magazine, all that stuff, worked as a newspaper correspondent and a freelance writer, writer, uh, later in life and got serious about my fiction probably about 10 years ago. So you, since then I've, since then I've, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, since then I've, Took me about five years to get my first book out after that, uh, and once I got that one out, which was Brackman's Underworld, published in 2012, uh, I've been rolling ever since. And you're a New England native. You've lived in New England all your life. I have. So Not always a good thing. <laughs> so, what drew you to horror? Why? Why was that your uh, medium of choice to begin with? I think I've always been, um, I've always been the type of personality that, you know, you know, something is lurkingly evil behind the big curtain and everybody else runs away. But I was always the one that wanted to push the curtain aside and take a look, took a, take a peep for better or for worse. And I think that's one of the elements in horror that is just so, it's just so visceral with people and it resonates with so many people because everybody has that kind of curiosity. They, you know, they want to know, even if they can't bring themselves to know, they really would like to know. So there you are. <laughs> Deep thoughts and, from Vlad Voslin. <laughs> and the first book that you wrote was called Brackman's Underworld. Yeah, it was called Brackman's Underworld. And it's sit, set in the uh, city that I live in now, which is Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, kind of a eerie mill city. Um, and it's about a woman who dies, and she's got six days to dodge her fate before her soul is extinguished forever. Um, and just like The Button, which is kind of a, it's a nonlinear tale, uh, Brackman's Underworld is set, it's kind of the same. Yeah, it's, not a, it's not a linear tale, it, it bounces around, but uh, it does tell a cohesive story. I gotta say, many people have told me that that one gives them nightmares. Ooh. Okay, so I'm staying away from that one. I, don't, I have no problem with that one. <laughs> I should get that one. <laughs> yeah, you should actually. Yeah, you could do like creative readings from it at Thanksgiving or something. <laughs> <laughs> so not only do you are you now researching uh, part two of the button, you also have two other books uh, that, that that are in the process right now. I do. I do. Um, they, strangely enough, the next two books that I'm putting out are both uh, science fiction tales for kids. Um, one's called Eddie Starcruiser. Wait, Star wait, Cruiser. wait, wait, wait. You're going to scare kids now? I'm going to try. <laughs> okay. Somebody it's good marketing. That's right. Scare your audience. Can bring them back for more. <laughs> That's um, right. So Eddie Cruiser is about a, uh, a group of... Um, adventures, let's say. Um, one's Eddie, an, an alien boy. Another one is an orphan girl from Earth. 
There's a psychic cat and a thinking tree, and they all get sucked into this quest for the Apollo box. And the other one I'm working on is called The Moon is Dead, and that's a lighthearted fantasy. Um, and it's about these kids <laughs> who accidentally destroy the moon and have to put it back together again before the ki- before their parents find out. That sounds adorable. Yes, yes. But also, two other former guests of the show, Dale T. Phillips and Stacey Longo uh, and I, and another writer named Ursula Wong are collaborating on a uh, collection of short horror stories that hopefully will be out uh, this fall around Halloween called The Insanity Tales. So we'll see how that works out. Well, we're going to have to have you guys here for that. Absolutely. Yeah. If, that, if that comes out right around Halloween time. Just Sounds good to me. <laughs> so the button is currently available on your website. It's also available, I think, on Amazon. That's correct. It's pretty much available in any um, digital format through Smashwords, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Um, it's available through print, through Amazon, or through my website. It's, it's, uh, I'm really pissed that the other books can be so long. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, it, had, it, it, it caught me and it grabbed me right up to the end. And I sat there at the end, and I went, no, please don't do that. And I kept hoping my e-reader would just continue on, and it didn't. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, that may be the best review I could give you, that I really ended up wanting a lot more from that book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting that review on Amazon. It pissed me off. Five stars. (laughs) I I think that should work. There we go. Uh, what so was your favorite part about the book? My favorite part? Yeah. Um, my favorite part was uh, the point at which both storylines converged and the young lady whose name I can't remember, it's a very weird name that she has. Yeah, Ramsey's Joe. Right. When Ramsey's Joe actually finds her way to the point where uh, the two brothers, the one brother is trapped inside... Uh, yep. and, and the other one is being held by the NSA. When the three of those converge uh, about three quarters of the way through the book, uh, it's just a, about 20 pages of really nonstop uh, fun right in there. I yep. really found that enjoyable. Um, you, your setting for Ramsey's Joe, too, was, was kind of interesting. You spent a lot of time setting up uh, Peter and Gary uh, and their, their hike in the woods that brings them to this point. Then you go all the way back into Ramsey's Joe's life to their move to a small town and how she became a paranormal investigator by being scared to death in the house right. that they lived in. Uh, what, where did that come from? See, I'm hoping you well, I wanted to really, I, was I wanted to really explore uh, <laughs> some of these, uh, some of these paranormal themes and uh, the best way to do that through a paranormal investigator. Um, one of the things that I was really interested in is bizarre objects and these objects that, you know, totally flabbergast people um, because they don't understand how they're made. And, I mean, you have the, the Kazo artifact, um, which is mentioned in passing in the, uh, in the book, I believe. And it's a shaft of shiny metal that experts estimate that 
that should have, is about 500,000 years old, and yet and it looks man-made. It looks like it's in a fashion by intelligence, and yet it's 500,000 years old. And modern science will tell you that we weren't around then. If, well, we were, but we weren't making metal tools and the like. And I thought the best way to explore some of these themes um, was through somebody who would be interested in that and want to do it and really want to experience what it could teach them even though they're even though they're afraid and even though it totally you know throws a monkey wrench into their views of the world now at the very end of the book your your storyline diverts and takes a hard left turn that I really enjoyed but it seems to me that at that point maybe the character of Ramsey's Joe becomes superfluous, and I hope that's not the case, because oh, it's a really good character case. to carry along. No, no. She, uh, Ramsey's Joe, since you liked her so much, you'll be happy to uh, find, uh, know, has a, uh, is one of the main characters in the second book. I mean, she, she, she's right in the action with Pete and Gary, uh, experiencing everything that goes on um, without giving anything away while the NSA is trying to track them down and all that good stuff. Yeah, that that's the fourth main character in the book is the NSA at this point, and uh, yeah, as usual, they don't come off very well. <laughs> what a surprise! Are you shocked? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> um, I was prepared not to be overwhelmed by this book, uh, and I don't know why, other than it was a very innocuous the button, uh, and I I must tell you that. Normally, you can tell 10 pages in whether or not you really want to keep going with a book or not. Uh, I had that feeling about two pages in, and it was, boom, I was there. It's a book that catches you right at the beginning. It carries you along uh, two parallel tracks, two railroad tracks running parallel to each other until the point at which they come together. And when they do come together, the story just absolutely takes off and explodes. The book is called The Button, and its author, Vlad Vaslin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for being here. Uh, thanks for this, having me here. And, uh, it, was, it was fun, man. It's a good book. It's a cool book. I can't <laughs> wait for the second installation. Awesome. I'll definitely keep you on the horn for that. Outstanding. Kriana, my darling. Um, Coming up next week, we have, I'm sure, some people. Uh-oh. Uh, she hasn't opened the page. I yet. haven't, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, next week, uh, we have Peter. Peter Vinton with his secret project of secrecy. Hooray! Which actually isn't a secret anymore, but we'll talk about it some more next week. <laughs> yes, it is. Don't give it away. God! And then on the 26th, The Art of Brandon Barrows, a Boston Comic Con preview. So that should be fun. Dead Redhead. Sci Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Ranicon, PopCultureExpo.com, Rhode Island Comic Con. Booksandbooze.com and ComicArthouse.com. 
Visit comicarthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on lawrencemademecry.com. And our intro music is by Rob Watts. Find his work on robwattsonline.com. Dome! This is the first time we've been able to hear you in a while because actually the music's too low tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we can barely hear it. Can you bring it up just a little bit, Kriana? Because it's so beautiful. There we go. I want to thank our guest tonight from the Cosmic Sci-Fi Bundle from StoryBundle.com, Peter J. Wax and Jody Lynn Nye. I want to thank Vlad Vaslin to talk when we talk about his new book, The Button. It's a cool book. Uh, uh, grab it, pick it up, read it. It's 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 not a quick read. It's a great read. I want to thank uh, our cast tonight from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and our grammar girl, Sambrian. Thank you so much, ladies. Yeah, that's what they all say. Yay, no, I... bagel time! <laughs> From the Four Color Vault of Comics, great thanks to the dead redhead. That's what she said. That's what they all say at this point. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Good night.